The Athletic. Qatar sis. Day 19 at the World Cup and after all the almost Cameroon, Senegal, Ghana, Morocco become the first African side to reach a World Cup semi-finals. How did they beat Portugal? Was Ron wrong to cat and run? And how will Morocco fare against France, who ended England's hopes late Saturday night? The tabloids getting another Harry whose misses they can get upset about. We'll be asking those questions and many more in this Totally at the World Cup. Hello, listener, and welcome to the show. Day 19 at the World Cup began with some shocking news. Journalist and broadcaster Grant Wall, who was taken ill on Friday night at the Lucille Stadium while covering Argentina and Netherlands, died a short time afterwards at the age of just 49. For over a decade, Grant had been America's most important soccer writer and a champion of the game and of so many causes connected with it. Tributes this Saturday have been coming in from all over the world, from the US national team to LeBron James. The Athletics' Alex Abnos was a colleague and close friend of Grant's, and he had this to say. For anybody that was looking to cover soccer in the United States at all, at any level, I'm 37, and I would say all the way down to people that are in their 20s now, Grant was the guy. And for a while, he was, if not the only, certainly the most high profile person, the only person that was doing only soccer coverage, really in-depth soccer coverage for Sports Illustrated at a time when Sports Illustrated was the absolute best that there was for long-form journalism in the United States. So that alone made him a pretty, pretty huge figure. And, you know, I think what made him such an incredible person and the reason why you're seeing all this outpouring of support and, and grief and everything that you're seeing online is that he could have acted aloof with all of his success and thought of himself as a big deal and carried himself that way. And that's just never what happened. Uh, he was always so generous and so willing to answer questions, to take time to even just talk to you. And it didn't matter who you were, if you liked soccer, and especially if you were an American that liked soccer, he was he was down to talk with you. That sounds like maybe a very, very small thing for uh, a lot of soccer cultures. But in, in the United States, which had so few people like him in that position covering the sport, uh, to have that kind of personality in that position at the time that he was there, you can't think of anything better. Alex Abnos, our thoughts are with Grant's family and his many friends worldwide. Now... On with today's Totally at the World Cup. Day 19 at the World Cup and here with us on Totally, we've got Adrian Clark and Carl Anker. Good evening to you both. Evening. On Zoom, we've got Dom Fifield and also live from the Al Bight Stadium, it's Daniel Story. Hello, Daniel. Good evening, James. Yeah. All right. What a day. One result that felt historic, was historic. One result that felt pretty familiar to a lot of England fans. Crashing out of the World Cup at the quarterfinal stage at the hands of France earlier in the day. Morocco beat Portugal 1-0, becoming, yes, the first African nation to reach the last four of a World Cup. And they'll be taking on the French in the semi-final next Wednesday. Daniel standing by. Let's open things up with events at the Albine. Avec Harry Kane face à Lloris, le coup de sifflet d'arbitre. Harry Kane qui se concentre, Harry Kane qui ne bouge pas, qui va accélérer. Oui, 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 playing on the pitch, but it's France that are dancing in the moonlight tonight. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always minded of praising a team that, that exits any major tournament because, you know, this is not synchronised swimming. There's no points for artistic merit and you get through by, by winning and you get through by doing everything you need to do to win when you don't play very well. And I think that's probably what France did tonight. And England didn't do. They, they outplayed 
for long periods, the world champions. I think they probably outplayed the impending world champions as well. And um, they didn't make it count. And, and obviously I feel hugely for Harry Kane, who is a man who has got no sort of air of superstardom about him. He's a, just a, a really dedicated man to his craft. And part of that craft is the repetition of penalty practice. And that you saw in that moment what pressure does because Harry Kane doesn't blast penalties over the bar and Harry Kane blasted a penalty over the bar. Tom, it was a game that didn't bring success, but while there's regrets at the exit, the performance shouldn't bring any regrets, would you say? Yeah, I don't think England could have done an awful lot more. They, 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 maybe they didn't play with quite as much freedom as they had done in some of the previous games, but they were playing its high calibre uh, opposition um I, I thought they acquitted themselves pretty well they certainly their second half performance was 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 excellent when they were you know chasing a a deficit uh, yeah they had they created chances I and mean, it goes back to Theo Hernandez at the back post just putting um Bukayo Saka off with that lovely cross from from Luke Shaw and it you know the free even the free kick the last kick of England's World Cup from Marcus Rashford which you know dips brilliantly but not quite enough it's it's sort of one of those almost almost but but not quite there and we've we've been there many times in the past with with England I don't think there can be too many regrets with the performance but there'll be a lot of regret to be leaving so early Mm. particularly with this team Adrian if England played so well why did they lose two goals of outstanding quality I think sometimes you just got to take your hat off to the opposition and say well played for those two goals I mean it was a fantastic hit from Chuomini and, and and the second goal was one of the best crosses of the entire tournament, wasn't mm. it? Griezmann onto the head of Giroud and we've seen him do that countless times, haven't we? I thought it was a tremendous bullet header from him. I, I find it hard to criticise England for, for either of the goals, if I'm honest. OK. England had the chance to equalise from the penalty spot. The first equaliser had also come from the penalty spot. Saka, who was terrorising the French defence for most of that game. Yes, yeah, Saka was getting the superstar treatment from the French defence, if not the superstar protection from the referee. Uh, I believe at half-time he, he topped uh, in the amount of receptions. So uh, very much a lot of the attacks England were doing were, were funneled down Saka. Uh, to the fact he wasn't getting too much of Kyle Walker on the overlap as well meant he was largely a having to break down that French defence by by himself. And after a so-so first half, he, he really grew into that second half and, and put the frighteners on him. Perhaps if the referee was differently inclined, there might have been a few more free kicks and fouls England's way. But regardless of that, Saka acquitted himself very, very well. Uh, the Arsenal fans listening to this have spoken for ages about the fact that Saka is one of the best football players in the world and doesn't get enough protection from Premier League referees. And I think England fans now have probably had a, yeah. a good sample of that experience and gone, oh, maybe you were right. I, I agree. I felt like the referee, in his own mind, felt that he couldn't keep giving fouls against, against France for, for, for fouls on Saka. But they were fouls on Saka and, and I think that he needed more protection. He did brilliantly for the penalty. That was absolutely outstanding. He's just so bright, so intelligent uh, and confident too. And, and look, I, I think Gareth Southgate's had an excellent tournament. I haven't been... I haven't been critical of him at all, but I think the one mistake he made tonight was was taking Saka off because he was annihilating the left back. And when you've got a player that's clearly winning that duel, in my mind, you, you just don't change it. I think I'm, I'm as we record, I'm going to head into Gareth's press conference pretty soon. I think he's going to tell us that both Saka was, was very tired and also had basically taken one too many kicks. He looked like he was slightly limping. Uh, the last time he kind of received the ball and went went at the defender, um, which the other thing I think it probably Gareth was thinking is that he brought on Mason Mount because he wanted to make Mason to make those kind of overlapping runs through the centre for a long ball, and actually that's how England got the penalty for Mount kind of breaking the lines and go and forcing Hernandez to go with him, and Fernandez makes a completely stupid foul he didn't need to make. I don't think Mount was going to get on the end of that, but I think that was the that was the idea of the change, partly Saka just being a bit bruised and battered and I, and I completely agree with Carl, like, I, I couldn't believe how lenient the referee was with some of those fouls on him and not with other players but um, yeah, we kind of live and learn and Saka in, now in t at the end of two major tournaments kind of feels like he's, his old demeanour has been battered and bruised and thank goodness he seems to be a young man who is capable of kind of rising above that. 
Well, hopefully there's plenty of resilience in this England side. So much of the build-up to the game was spent worrying about Kylian Mbappe and potential duels with pacey right-backs in the England side. But in the end, he, he was kept to quite a, a quiet evening. Olivia Giroud less so, Daniel. Yeah, I thought, I thought Giroud played well in the moment. I, I thought Antoine Griezmann was, was phenomenal. And I know that the way this World Cup is working, we're set for a, a kind of likely Kylian Mbappe versus Lionel Messi. Old guard, new guard, winner takes the golden ball home. But I think Griezmann's been the player of the tournament. Just the, the manner in which he's altered his game to to drop in midfield. He made like three or four tackles in the first half when France were trying to get grips of the game. And he's just his driving runs from deep, his protection of the ball. I thought he was phenomenal. And um, we need to remember he's been playing 60 minutes a game for most of this season. So yeah, I, I think he was the difference, but I, I think England were the better team. I thought Declan Rice was phenomenal. I thought um, Jude Bellingham again was good. Uh, I think Kane was excellent at dropping those those gaps and Luke Shaw was brilliant at overlapping and, and crossing. I just, it's just those fine margins and um, look, there's always regret when you go out of a tournament because they come around every two years and you don't know when you're going to have a likeable squad of balanced age and talented players. But, uh, you know, I think England are still looking forward and I just hope this doesn't kind of drag some of them down because the way this season is formatted and players are going to then go straight back into club level it's going to be really really hard to kind of mentally switch and get back into things it would be tough to take for England for sure I think England were very good at stopping the transitional attacks from France Declan Rice is a one man cheat code to, to stopping bodies from flooding forward in central midfield and he's very good at just standing in the right position and delaying that from France but in being so focused on stopping those transitions and being so focused on stopping Mbappe, I think England, for the first goal, left just that tiny little bit of space for Chouameni to get the shot off. You can't really legislate for that sort of finish. Uh, and, I, I, and as Daniel's just identified, they didn't quite understand the devastating nature Griezmann can be in possession. I think in the first half as well, Usman Dembele, first 20 minutes, was so good because England's attentions were focused on Mbappe. This is why France are good. This is why France are the world, current world champions and, and favourites to probably go all the way to the final again is because you even if you stop that transitional attack, they are so good in possession. England were great defending with the ball and taking the ball away from France. And I think that's also why Southgate uh, didn't make too many substitutions. But sometimes you get got. You, you block the knockout punch and you lose on points. Daniel, I know you've got to head down to the press conference. I just want to ask you uh, two things. One might be answered by the event you're about to go to, which is what do you think Gareth Southgate is likely to do going forward with England? And the other is you mention a messy Mbappe final, which I'm not sure how the Qatari hosts would feel about, you know, two PSG stars going head to head. But equally, you back on November the 23rd tipped Morocco as the dark horse in this tournament. So do you really think France are going to have it all their way against the North Africans? No, they won't. But I, I think they will win uh, I would if you'd have asked me this before the Portugal game and the Spain game I would have picked Spain and Portugal so uh, I'm more than happy to say that even though I picked them as the dark horses but I think France will win the tournament I think they're the best team in the world they, they don't have the deepest squad and it was really interesting just how late Didier Deschamps left any substitutions tonight um, I, I don't know the minute of exactly but it was really late if he even made any um, but yes I think France will win at the start of the tournament, I didn't really see an obvious way that Gareth would stay in this job with the goodwill of, you know, in inverted commas, the nation or England's football public. Other than the snide replies you'll get on Twitter, I think he probably has managed to do that. And that in itself is an achievement. The way we played, the way he stuck with the four at the back, the way he tried to play progressive football against elite opposition has set another blueprint for a next generation of this squad, which is really exciting for me. Um, the next two years will be hard because people are ready to jump on any setbacks, particularly after the Nations League campaign. But I think what he'll tell us is he's going to go away, have a think about things. He's got two years left on his contract. Every player we've spoken to in the last two weeks, every time they've been asked, because we thought Southgate might leave after this tournament, and said, we really like him. He's a brilliant man manager. We want him to stay. And that will make a huge difference for the FA, not least because there's not no clanging obvious option to replace him. Yeah, there's always been this, the defence of Southgate has been the fact that England have progressed tournament by tournament. In this case, with a quarterfinal exit, that's not you know empirically true. But in terms of what you saw out there on the field, it absolutely is. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, we just outplayed the world champions, and I know people will say, you know, cry more, cry more. You lost. You know, there's only one stat that matters, and that's obviously true. There's a there's a grain of truth in all that, but we have to look at the bigger picture. And this is a team still moving forward, which I was worried about about a month ago. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, and sponsored by Live Score Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Dom Fifield, England are getting better, but what's the next thing they need to get better at, do you think? Well, they're still yearning for that ruthlessness, aren't they, in critical games, which is would have carried them through today. I think you might argue that they're, they may be looking to refresh maybe the back line, that'll be the next phase of the, of the team. Um, I don't think you can rely on Jordan Henderson necessarily at another tournament. I know he's had a fantastic last few games um, and, and was everywhere again tonight for the period he was on the pitch. But but I think you want to see evolution in in, in that area of the pitch as well. And there, there are the young players coming through. So I think there is a, a pattern here that, of, of evolution with this team. So it's, it shouldn't be doom and gloom, but it... It will feel properly numbingly disappointing tomorrow morning when England realise again that they're not no longer in this tournament. Not least because whoever departed this game as victors was going to be installed as the favourites for the tournament. Really, that would have been the best team left in the tournament because I think we've seen with Argentina that you you, you can probably get at them and. I, I, that that is a disappointment. It feels like a missed opportunity when actually. I, I don't think they could have done an awful lot more. I mean, they, they did perform well. It was just a little for the fine margins that went against them. Mm. And the refereeing, I think, is something that will yeah. be revisited. It, it um, will, but... Sounds bitter, though. I, 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 I'm not focusing on that. I, I personally thought the, the penalty appeal in the first half was outside the box. Yeah. That, that was my take on it. And I think, obviously, with the Mason Mount one, we got to the right decision eventually. I think Saka needed more protection. I didn't rate the referee necessarily, but England aren't out of the World Cup because of poor refereeing. They're out of the World Cup because France scored two wonderful goals. They have made progression. There, there was This wasn't a passive performance. This wasn't cautious. There was no handbrake in sight. We were quite liberated, I think, in the way that we performed. And, and this, this team doesn't need a rebuild. This team can, can come again, I think, and, and, and improve further. And, and I actually feel that, that Gareth Southgate has improved this tournament and that he will now have the courage to let these forward players go out and do their thing in a way that previously, perhaps at the Euros, he wasn't confident enough to do. I think now he, he's seen them take the game to a brilliant side like France and come out on the wrong side of an unfortunate defeat. I don't think there's any need for us to to be cautious and too wary moving forwards. And that's a big sea change. In terms of what do England need, it's the same thing they needed during the Euros and I think it's the same thing they've needed in 2018 against Croatia. They need that passing regulator. They need that individual who is very good in that middle third. It looked to be a year ago that Jude Bellingham would fill that in. But as Jude Bellingham becomes a better football player, and is increasing his attacking qualities and is becoming very good dribbling from deep. It looks as if Bellingham is going to move further towards goal, which is this very England, English problem where the moment a midfield player looks very, very good and looks like they can decide games, we go, you can go forward and become a number 10. And I think if you have a midfield regulator, uh, so someone instead of Henderson, uh, to, so let's say if Calvin Phillips was fully fit and came in, or perhaps another midfielder who I, I don't know yet, uh, could, can come in in the next two or three years to play in a midfield next to Declan Rice, who is your defence against transitions, and next to Jude Bellingham, who can dribble from deep. Just a six who can go, you guys can go forward, and I can speed it up and slow it down, and we can control games for longer periods. That is the next step. But again, I'm saying this, and I, don't, I, can't, I can't name a player who has that in their locker at the moment. Uh, and that's uh, almost a cultural problem, like not really a tactical or strategic one. Just how did England create to that sort of football player? How, how, many, how many countries have that sort of player, Carl? I'm thinking Luka Modric fits into that role, but I mean Modric is outstanding for a reason. Yeah, he's he's unusual. I mean, aren't we just sort of? I don't know, we don't want to pluck one out of the ether here, are we? They're very very few, and in, I think so. You know, top of my head, all of Croatia's midfield, uh, Brazil have one Bruno Gomes who didn't play, which I thought was quite of a mistake from Chiche uh, in Brazil's defeat. Um, Morocco have players who can do that to a less 
showbiz extent. And I think that's why Morocco have reached the semi-final in that there have been parts where their midfield three has been very well balanced and they have had moments of going, their number six is very uninterested in going to the final third. And I think that is probably the next step. Can you have someone who can just form a stopper? I I think that finding better quality centre halves is the, is the priority. Personally, I, okay. I just think yeah, I just think that that Stones and Maguire had good tournaments, but I think moving forwards that that that's the area we can we can absolutely strengthen. So you know, we'll see what's coming out tomorrow. Tomorrow is right around the corner. Well, I thought tomorrow should have been at this World Cup or even at Euros, um, and he could be a very obvious one to come in soon. So yeah, we'll see. We shall see. All right then. England exit with their heads high. France go through and it's Morocco who they'll be taking on in the semi-final on Wednesday. We'll talk about Morocco's performance against Portugal on Saturday afternoon next. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet, the home of squads. Squads is a weekly free-to-play game. You reveal five players across the week which make up your squad and you can earn cash each time they score in the selected games. The cash amount is decided by LiveScore Bet's prize wheel and can range from 10p up to £50 per goal, which you can spend once the final player is revealed. Find out more and play squads for yourself for free at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScore Bet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only and full terms and conditions apply. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. That was N Nazeri scoring on Saturday afternoon the goal that put Morocco into. The semi-finals, the first African side ever to reach the last four of the World Cup. That's what it sounded like in the stadium. This is the sound of Moroccan fans partying around the world, including in Marseille, from whence we are joined by our next guest, Meher Mazahi. Hello, Meher. Hey, how you doing, Jim? Uh, yeah, you're back in the quiet, quiet area now. It's all come down. Yeah. But you were out <laughs> exactly. in the streets, were you, in Marseille? I went down to the Vieux-Port. As soon as the, the match was over, just people zipping down my street, beeping the cars. And at the Vieux-Port, they were, they were lighting some flares too. Not as many, actually, as I thought, but it was a very windy day, so I think the elements had something to do with that. I see. Mahe, you, you've been talking about this, this move, this momentum, this drive for the semifinals. Cameroon 1990, Senegal 2002, Ghana 2010. Always so close. Mm. This time, it's happened. Yeah, and all the credit goes to Morocco, first and foremost, the coaching staff and the players, of course. Um, nobody seems able to crack the code. Nobody seems able to score on them. Uh, we're now eight matches, and they've only still only conceded uh, a deflected own goal against Canada during the group stages. Um, it was the same thing with Spain as it was with Portugal. Um, I believe... Spain had 77% possession, Portugal had 73% possession, but they were not creating a great amount of goal-scoring opportunities. So uh, Morocco did pretty much the same thing. This happened at 4-1, 4-1 shell. They absorbed a lot of pressure, uh, tried to hit them on counterattacks, and when they did explode forward, they exploded in numbers. So for example, when they scored their goal, when Youssef Inissiri scored that goal, there were seven Moroccans in the final third of the pitch. So it's not just like they were sending one or two hopeful players and letting them run around uh, the, the opposing third. When they did attack, they attacked with intent. So a pretty great, great game plan by Walid Regi. 
Maher, once again, we're going to ask the question that we asked after the Spain game, which is what kind of Morocco side is going to be left for the semi-final with the injuries and the suspension? That's absolutely right. Um, Sofiane Amrabat was playing through with uh, uh, injections, painkiller injections. We had Roman Saiz, he had his thigh all bandaged. Uh, he only managed to play through for 50 minutes. Uh, we also had Nath Aguerd, who missed the match, the West Ham defender. Uh, with a thigh strain as well. Nusser Mazuri was actually ill, and there's a little bit of a nasty bug going around Qatar at the moment. Um, so I think he might actually be back uh, for the semifinals. So, so to answer your question, yeah, it, it, that's probably one of the main concerns for Morocco. I don't think they were concerned with England or France because both sides were, were as good as one another, but they were concerned with being fit, I think. And now they're going to have three matches and the, the medical staff is really going to have to earn their salary and, and work double overtime to make sure everybody's as fit as can be. Absolutely. Only Red Raggy's eighth game in charge. It's extraordinary. Essentially, it's still the new manager bounce they're experiencing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's... Um, yeah, they actually played a ninth match. It's just not on all the websites and stuff. It was played behind closed doors. It wasn't televised. They also kept a clean sheet in that one. All right. Yeah. I was going to say, everybody here is full of admiration, but at the same time saying, well, yes, but France, etc., they're going to be, and we'll probably see France in the final. But you've been, you've been following them. You've been, you've been down there. You've seen the passion, the belief of the Morocco supporters there in Marseille as around the world. Have they got another couple of extraordinary chapters in them? I hope so. Again, nobody's been able to crack the code so far. So you, I always try to think back historically. Has there been any other cases uh, of you know these minnows going this far? I, I think back Greece? to 2004. Yeah, Leicester, that European Championship. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. And I, I think they can do it. Uh, it's going to be very difficult. Um, but but they just got to stick to their principles. I don't think they can play any other way. They don't have the striking talent. Um, they don't have the time to implement, you know, any other style of play at the moment. They have to go in, sit in their cell, work on the counterattacks and set pieces and hope they can uh, take France into extra time or penalties and, and win that one. So it's a bit boring, but I think they're going to do the same thing until somebody can beat them. All right. Maher, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Look forward to catching up with you again around the semifinals. Yeah, after Morocco beat France. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> Meher Mazahi. Wow, Carl, how much did you enjoy Morocco getting through? Oh, it was a triumph. This is the best African team I've seen at a World Cup. Uh, I'm going to slightly reveal my age in the first World Cup I remember watching was 1998. Uh, they're probably the most balanced African side I've ever seen in the World Cup too. Uh, in terms of just pure coaching and game plan, Morocco are a triumph. I know, obviously, some neutrals. Can you be a neutral if you're supporting Argentina for Messi? I'm not sure, but uh, I'm, I'm going to dub Morocco the, neutral, the neutral's favourite. Right. Um, they, they just have it. That, those final 10 minutes, with a makeshift back line, all the injuries piling up, and they still hung on. Extraordinary. Yeah, they're just a team that's dripping with tactical discipline, aren't they? Mm. They just don't make mistakes. They, the shape is, is just so strong, but it's not just about shape. They've got spirit, and they've got swashbuckle. That's what they've yeah, got. Yeah. And I think that, that it's the swashbuckle that makes us fall in love with them a little bit. It's those guys in, in forward areas, Buffal, the ultimate maverick, really, I think, Ziyech as well. But it's not just those guys. It's the way they commit to those breaks. It's so exciting. Uh, it's bold. Uh, and they do it from this most solid of platforms. And, yeah, it, it is about the collective. But, but that said... I would I would say that three of their players are probably in contention for sort of team of the tournament. I think Berno in goal, Amrabat for sure has been the best defensive midfielder. He has been unbelievable. It, 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 it is between him and Brozovic in, in terms of best yeah. defensive midfielder. Oh, I think I think he's won that. Um, and and Hakimi, I think would would uh, you could say he's he's up there with the best right backs. He's been, he's been phenomenal. But it is about the the collective. It is, it's it's a fantastic plan, well prepared. And the passion, you know, I, I watched Sofiane Buffal uh, reduce Raf Arsenal to tears when he was playing at Southampton. This is a this is a winger who uh, his great strength is deceleration, sucking in a defender, and then doing dribble moves. And he he seemed very very 
disinterested in off-the-ball movement when he was at Southampton. He once missed a number of games because he stubbed his big toe against his coffee table, <laughs> running about the house. Uh, and look at him here. It's not just the dribbling skill. It's also the fact that his final product, his that pass, is is finally as good as what Southampton fans hoped for. Uh, Hakim Ziyech, for, who you know, has frustrated Chelsea fans for ages with his poor off-ball discipline, is pressing and is pressing properly. He's choosing his moments. He's making those lovely switches that you saw him do at Ajax as well. And this is, you know, the last 10, 15 years has seen uh, a lot of conversations say the World Cup may not be the pinnacle of football anymore. Actually, it might be harder to win the Champions League. The Champions League is where all the talent is distributed. But this Morocco side and the performances you're seeing from these Moroccan players show that international football brings something out of football players in 100%. a way that you will never see in the club game. It, you know, it brings out national pride from people that don't necessarily love their country, from people that don't even necessarily, you know, it's bringing out national pride from me, someone who's got origins from sub-Saharan Africa going, actually, no, yes, Morocco is good for all of Africa. And <laughs> why am I feeling national pride for Morocco? Because that is good football. That is why the World Cup can be so powerful, because it creates these fantastic moments of suspension of disbelief. I can't believe Bufal is tracking back. <laughs> For anyone who didn't see the game on Saturday afternoon, we should maybe break down how it all panned out. First of all, talk us through Yusuf N. Naziri's uh, goal. It, 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 the question mark, so the ball comes in, Diogo Costa, the Portuguese keeper, leaps for it, but doesn't quite leap in the right place. No, and, and the leap from... Enesiri was the leap of a true Atlas lion, wasn't it? It was, Exceptional. It was, it was incredible. I mean... He's so high. He's right. just so high. It is a goalkeeping error because Diogo Costa doesn't read the path, uh, uh, the flight of the ball very well at all. He's waiting for it to come instead of attacking the ball. Uh, and, and and the striker attacks it. And it's a wonderful header. I thought it was, it was another dreamy cross. We saw one in the France game from Griezmann. And, and, and this was an absolute beauty as well. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it was one of the moments of the tournament, actually, that goal. it was It was stunning. Portugal had very few chances, actually. Only two shots, I think. No, three shots on target. There was also that Bruno volley, which wasn't on target, but went off the crossbar, which is pretty amazing. But yeah, they had a shot on target in the fourth minute. And then 82nd minute is when Felix uh, unleashed that uh, magnificent strike, which Bono got. Um, it was a good save. It was a very good to, save. Yeah. yeah. I, I was looking at the averages across the World Cup so far from Morocco. Um, average possession, 31.8%. Mm. Shots on target faced per game, 1.8. Good luck. So under two per game. And just to put some context on that, they were in a group with Croatia and Belgium, semi-finalists from last time. They then, Spain, who'd scored, what was it, seven against Costa Rica and Portugal, who just put six, six past, past Switzerland. Switzerland. It, it is incredible. Their, their expected goals against per game is 0.9. Obviously, they've only conceded one goal in the entire tournament, so they're beating the XG. It, for an a team, own goal. For that, a goal was an own goal yeah, as well. Exactly. For a team that allows the opposition to have as much of the ball as Morocco, to limit unbelievable opponents, top quality opponents to under two shots on target per game is remarkable and it's testament to the coaching uh, and to the discipline of the players and the, the mental concentration because the, not only are they physically on their knees, Morocco, they're, they're all falling down, aren't they? They're absolutely battered. So mentally, the, the amount it takes out of you to, to focus that hard about where you need to be when the ball is here, where do I need to be when the ball moves there? For 90, well, it's 100 minutes a game, isn't it, and beyond. To do that in such a short period of time, I think, is is a phenomenal effort. It is almost impossible to explain how the managers managed to get... We were talking about it before, almost like the reverse of entropy, in that when the game breaks down, they kind of collapse into position as opposed to all over the place, as most teams would do. Santos throws on Ronaldo early on in the second half to try and get a bit of, what, verticality. I think that was the wrong play. Earlier this week, I did a piece assessing the, the, the benches of all the quarterfinals and the most common Santos attacking substitution is Rafael Leal, who, you know, for, for in the four Who games. also came on. Who also came on. I think going for Ronaldo before Leal was a mistake. Um, Daniel Storey, when Wales got knocked out, said that Wales's issue was they kept trying to select 2016 Aaron Ramsey, not realising it's 2022. And I think to a lesser degree, Portugal kept trying to select 2016 or 2018 Cristiano Ronaldo, not realising this version of Cristiano Ronaldo lacks that explosive burst. He needs 
this Portugal team would be much better if they had their own version of Olivier Giroud, if they had their fixed target point that Ronaldo can play off, that João Felix could play off, that right. Ra- that indeed Rafael Leo could play off. Okay, which Gonzalo Ramos represented in, in the last game to an extent, maybe not exactly yes. that role. Uh, selecting a 2016 or 2018 Ronaldo, but at no stage has Ronaldo ever scored a goal, of course, in the knockout stages of the, of the World Cup. Duncan Alexander pointing out 27 shots he's had in nine and a half hours of knockout football in the World Cup and no goals whatsoever. At the end, he didn't even stay for the handshakes. I thought that was quite ungracious, to be fair, of, of, of Ronaldo. I know he's disappointed. Obviously, you know, last fifth World Cup, last World Cup, we'll see him at. But to not even sort of take the time to congratulate the the victors or to be with his teammates out on the pitch and instead to, to burst into tears and, and storm off. And actually only burst into tears, as far as I could see, once he got into the tunnel area and he knew the camera was on him. I, I'm sorry, I, I just thought that was really... Well, I thought that sort of typified his 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 uh, his tournament, to be honest, and and his behaviour for the last few months. He's a man who's not growing old very graciously. No. It's t- his reputation's tainted, isn't it? By the last three months, his behaviour has been really, really poor. It was ungracious. It was poor sportsmanship. And what was he crying about? Was he crying about the fact that well, that he's not going to win a win a World Cup? That he's never contributed. You can be upset. You can be upset when when you yeah. in your last chance. I mean the. Yeah, but All part, the of, part of a leader, a part of a leader, hmm. part of being a leader, he's a senior figure in that side, Fair. is surely going around to your teammates as well and offering them support. They're, they're as gutted as he is. I, oh, I can't a, believe it. How often do you see there, a senior player, or any player actually for that matter, <laughs> storm off in the way that he did? This, is, this, is, this is unusual. And uh, having watched Manchester United this season and for <laughs> last season as well, th- this is what Ronaldo does. When he loses, he, he feels it deeply and he, he, he very much will march down the tunnel and, and be quite sullen. Uh, there's more than one form of leadership and I can't, I can't believe I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to try and vaguely defend Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> uh, Ronaldo has performed a very valuable form of leadership for this Portuguese team for several years and I'm willing to give him the slightest bit of grace and say in this what is probably your last ever World Cup game yes you could feel this sadness for yourself rather than going over to younger players that will have other opportunities first there you go (laughs) well done Carl it wasn't too bad was it he did it he did it well Morocco then every game brings another undiscovered gem another must have player for, for January Azadin Unaki was was very much the Portugal uh, game's kind of standout player for a lot of commentators. Well, no, just the energy. I just thought he summed it up. I mean, when you've got a, a player in Amrabat alongside you who is playing with injections, but is playing to that level still, you have to match it. And he 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 provided his legs for when when he needed to. I thought he was fantastic. It was absolutely all over it. They, they refreshed all over the pitch. Their midfield work rate was phenomenal. I'd love to know how much how the distances they actually ran, actually, because it would it would be quite revealing. I imagine it's the, the, the whole unit was stunning, fantastic, and you know fair, they, they will cause the French problems because that match will mean so much. I mean, look, Morocco versus France probably means a lot anyway, but this this is huge, and it, it will just they'll, they'll patch themselves up and they'll go again, injections or whatever. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule Roman Saiz out either, despite the fact his hamstring is shredded. There's going to be a lot of discussion about Morocco, how they do what they do and how they're going to do it against the French. That game coming up at 7 o'clock UK time on Wednesday. Before that, Argentina taking on Croatia. So that nil-nil between Croatia and Morocco back in the opening days of the World Cup, that could be... We could see that repeated in the final. Extraordinary. Or we could see Argentina-France, which would be quite interesting. Or we could see Croatia-France. We'll get your predictions in a second or two. But after this, we'll hear about a team who are in no way going to be featuring in the midweek action, and that's Brazil. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LifeScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LifeScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Saturday saw Brazil coming to terms with yet another quarter-final exit at the World Cup. We spoke to Natalie Jedra, who was, curiously, at Argentina's headquarters, where she'd been sent, unfortunately, to cover their training. Here she is now. Not only that, James, because uh, the other thing is that yesterday I was at the Argentina match and I was uh, amongst their fans when Brazil got knocked out uh, on penalties. Yes. So that was a true test of my professionalism. (laughs) Only a few days ago when we spoke, Natalie, there was all the euphoria post-South Korea. This team looked like a really vintage Silasar. But three days later, suddenly... You and and the nation find yourselves with your World Cup over. Can you explain it? Yeah, well, I think we're all still sinking it in and trying to absorb everything that happened because, well, there are a lot of explanations. Uh, uh, we're still trying to figure out which ones are, are the most relevant and most uh, substantial, especially considering the next cycle for 2026. But the truth is, James... Uh, Regarding the match, I think first we have to give it to Croatia, of course, because they they managed to defend well. Uh, Three of our main players, Casemiro, Vini Jr. and Neymar, especially on the first half. Second half, there was some improvement. And of course, in Brazil, there's a lot of talk regarding Titi's substitutions. Because we are here talking all the time about this variety and this, oh, so many options in in Brazil and how we can change uh, tactics and characteristics of and uh, playmaking. And when we had to deliver that, it didn't happen. And the, the subs that were made were just one player for the other you know it was it wasn't about making the team uh necessarily play in a different way so he's been criticized for that as well and another world cup where we're talking about brazil's mentality because we've done this so many times and uh, about mental strength and and how the team could not defend croatia's goal it was just 3 minutes so that that really hurt because uh, we know how Croatia is in penalty shootouts. We all knew that. And the, 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 the goal on extra time, it just it's unexplainable, especially considering uh, that Brazil, they, they, our defenders, they, they did really well, especially the, the center defenders. The, the fullbacks, I think there's, there, there's a lot of criticism around that as well. But Brazil in general in this World Cup, we defended really well. So, so it's just there's so many factors, James, honestly. For sure. So quarterfinals is becoming a bit of a thing out at the quarterfinal stage of four of the last five tournaments. And the other one, yeah. the one in Brazil. Let's not talk about was... that one, <laughs> Okay, we won't even mention <laughs> that one. But no country likes to lose at the World Cup. But how big a part of Brazilian identity is being good at the World Cup? And so how much does it hurt the nation, the exit on Friday? I think there are a few things that uh, we need to take into account regarding what you're asking and especially considering Brazil getting knocked out not playing well I think that really hurts for Brazilians because if you look at 2018 the match against Belgium anything could have happened there uh, Belgium they, they were brilliant Brazil fought until the end a lot of chances in both ends so we got knocked out fighting until the very last moment and now nobody saw it coming not only uh losing to croatia because i think it's even a bit arrogant to say oh how uh, no one saw it coming the the croatia the croatia being knocked out by croatia but the way it happened 
because Brazil did not play well. They weren't able to find solutions. And and the quarterfinals thing, especially against European opponents, and that's a real problem because the calendar doesn't allow us to face European teams anymore because of Nations League. So I think that really that really is a negative uh, aspect in terms of preparation for the World Cup. And there's not much we can do about it because if you have Nations League and the, the, the European teams are not available for matches, you're just going to have to cope with that. But it is a factor that, that influences the, the preparation and, and in, in times like that as well, in matches like this. So there are a few things that, that hurt the, the Brazilian pride in our identification with football and especially the way we play. So and, and actually, in Croatia's goal, one of the criticisms, James, is that Brazil should accept to play ugly sometimes, you know, like like Argentina does every now and then. You're winning one new. Just park the bus, you know, just defend until the end. Do you do you need to have seven players up front? So, that, yeah, there are a lot of questions and and it concerns me because I don't know what is going to be in this next cycle for 2026, mm. especially regarding the, the manager. Okay, so Chite has stepped down, and I, I guess we, we don't know yet who's likely to take over, but a word possibly for Neymar as well. Do you think we'll see him again at a World Cup, and how much did you feel for him uh, on the, the, the pitch there yesterday? Well, James, uh, regarding Neymar's future, nobody really knows, because before the World Cup, he, he said that this might be his last World Cup, and when he was asked about it in the mix zone, he said, I can't even think about that. I don't know what to say. I'm just shattered. I'm, I'm really hurt. And regardless of all the controversies around Neymar, we we do know that he really cares about the national team. He really likes being there, and he, he actually gets really involved there so so of course it's 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 the biggest star and he he was clearly heartbroken uh but i really felt for so many other players and marquinhos missing the the penalty marquinhos is, is a guy that everybody really likes because he's so professional and he's a serious leader and he he's just a, a really nice likable person and a, a positive influence on, on that team you know and 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 Chichi, despite the fact that he's being very criticized now, especially by fans, all the media really likes him. He's he's such a genuinely nice person, you know, and a lot of people were supporting Brazil because of Chichi. So there are a lot of stories there for you to feel sorry about. Richarlison made a post on, on his social media today uh, that was just heartbreaking because they, they, they really... There's an expression in, in Portuguese, sentiram o baque. They really felt like they were punched, you know. Mm. Well, I'm sure you all do. Natalie, I, I hope you have a, a good rest of tournament. What are you going to be doing for the rest of this? Well, uh, I've, I'll be following mostly Argentina. So, and cruel. yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> a little bit cruel, but you know, we're professionals. No, but really, Argentina is such a great story in this World Cups, and it's, it's been great following them. So, it's all good. We just, we just need a, a day to recover and move on, right? Natalie Jedra, all this talk of the hexer, perhaps the real hexer, was from the cat. What do you think, Adrian? Are you superstitious? A lot of people commenting that when they when they dispatch the cat so ruthlessly, never mess with a cat. What do you think, Dom? <laughs> He's not you, having it. You're not having that. I mean, these things. No, I can go with that. That's yeah, fine. the Brazil. I mean, we're all superstitious, but I mean, the Brazilians particularly superstitious. How many cats did they kill in 2014 in Belo Horizonte? Well, that's. Oh. A- <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll never know. <laughs> never know. The figure's not available. Yeah. I mean, we, we had Slaven Bilic on yesterday explaining why Croatia, you were talking before, Carl, about what the World Cup and what some national teams bring out of players and, and uh, what he said was quite illuminating on, on, on how Croatia do what they do and why uh, they do it. They've all grown up together. But uh, yeah, Croatia were extraordinary. Let's talk then about who is left and who you think might be mm. the side to lift the title agent. You go first. You've got mm. Argentina taking on Croatia on Tuesday and then France-Morocco on the yeah. Wednesday. I, I think that France are, are the best team left in the competition. But uh, I predicted Argentina at the start and I'm not going to waver because I just feel that they've got 
so this overwhelming momentum, the, the wave of support, I think does matter. I think that Messi is definitely in the shake-up for, for player of the tournament. I know that Antoine Griezmann has been given a, a strong shout on tonight's show, but I think that Messi is up there with Mbappe as well in that sort of group, that collection. And he's, he's a difference maker. And I, and I think he, he, there's every chance that he could, he could be the star of the show in the semi-final. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a really, really tight game, isn't it? Um, what I like about Argentina is the sort of suffocating effect that they, that they can put on opposition teams. They can sort of pin you in when they're at it. They weren't at it against Holland. You're looking at me a little bit I'm not, puzzled I'm, here. You're not feeling Argentina, I don't, right? I don't think they, they suffocate Who are you feeling, Carl? This Argentina team has not impressed me that much at this no. World Cup. Mm. Uh, I think Scaloni's done very good to... I mean, he's essentially changed half the starting eleven after the defeat to Saudi Arabia. But they, they look quite prosaic. They look quite staccato. I'm not greatly moved by what they're doing. Mm. But however, I am watching Lionel Messi play some of the best and most decisive football they've, yeah, they've done they've in the world. They've faced even fewer shots than Morocco. They've faced the fewer shots in the competition. But have they played the same sides as Morocco? They, they have not. I, I don't think they're very good. I, I think that they do suffocate teams when they're at it. And they haven't been at it for long enough in matches. But in 20-minute 20, 20 pockets here and there, they're aggressive, they're hostile. They're nothing special individually. But they can... Some of them they can are. they can unsettle teams. They can pick their yes. pockets. Some of them are inside quite, the opposition half. Of course they are. They were very aggressive against the <laughs> Netherlands, and they not, and they took away the Netherlands' best tools. And I thought that was very good. Is there a large package of football in karma heading their way? Do you think Dom Fifield after the way that they uh, they behaved so unsportingly towards the Dutch after that <laughs> after that um, shootout? They they might argue that, that some of the pre-match comments were unsporting, aimed at them, and, and that was. Karma coming back to the Dutch, but yeah, look, the photographs are, are brilliant, and will go down as one of the images of the <laughs> of this tournament. Um, absolutely fantastic, and I, I don't know. I, I think there's, there's there's a sort of feeling of fate and momentum about them, and it's all built around Messi, obviously. But that, that, I, that is what's building them, and, and that is what's propelling them forward more than. I think they're, I think they're riding their luck in games. Uh, they're not. They haven't been that that dominant force that maybe we thought they would when they when they come into a tournament 35, 36 games unbeaten. If they do get through to the final, if they do find a way of getting past Croatia, I, I, I expect they'll probably meet Fred, the French, and I'd like to see what that French front four does to them because you know if if Mbappe doesn't get them, if you become too preoccupied with Mbappe as England found tonight, then then Griezmann runs right. If Dembele doesn't get you, then Giroud does. It's a it's a frightening quartet. Mm. All right. Well, the semi-finals get underway 7 p.m. UK time on Tuesday. Tuesday night, then, we'll have another totally at the World Cup. So I do hope you'll be joining us for that. Enjoy your days off in the meantime. Dom, Adrian, Carl, many, many thanks for being with us this evening. Also to Daniel Story uh, earlier on and Maher and, of course, Natalie having to slog through those Argentina training sessions. Miserable stuff. Splendid to be with you, listener. Thanks for your ears. We'll be back on Tuesday. See you then. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by LiveScoreBet. Get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.